Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Welcome, my friends. Listen up. Uh, if you've seen this NBC Today Show segment on a three-year-old girl that was born with, uh, what is it, neuroendocrine cell hyperplasia, which uh, it's like a lung disease of some sort. I don't know the particulars about it, but I do know that she needs an oxygen take wherever she goes. And her parents got her a service dog to help her navigate with the oxygen tank. There are critics to this. There are people that are saying that, you know, there's a certain age before you should have a service animal, that young kids may not be able to handle a service animal. And we'll talk to Dr. Alana Reisner. She's a veterinary behaviorist, and she's been doing this since 1995. And she says this three-year-old girl should not have a service dog. Uh, So that's on the way in just a few minutes. I, of course, my first animal, my cat, my first cat that I ever had was an emotional service animal to me. I was having horrible dreams. My parents got me this cat, and all of a sudden the dreams went away, and I had a a friend. How old were you, though? I was... I was older than three. I yeah, I see, was... three, I don't think I'd get an a, an animal for a three-year-old, no matter what, if it was a pet or yeah. a service animal. I think three years is too young to have an animal. So you all agree with this doctor, huh? Yeah. I would agree, yeah. yeah I think I that's, you know, when you talk about reading animal behavior and knowing what's appropriate um, contact with a pet, um, you mm-hmm. know, children at that age just don't know, um, you know, screaming, quick movements, you know, um, f- forcing an animal to do something that, that would be unpleasant for them that that can actually create anxiety or even lead to a bite so Mm -hmm. i sort of get it i mean i know how trying a two-year-old can be or a three-year-old child can be and imagine being a dog that really doesn't understand the dynamics there and not being able to get away no Mm. okay (laughs) Uh, we'll find out what dr alana reisner has to say about it we're also going to talk to you if you want to get in line right now in queue we actually have a few lines open And we're also going to do a quick check of the news. We do this at the bottom of every hour. If you're brand new to Animal Radio, to my left is Judy. Uh, She's screening your calls. Dr. Debbie answering your vet medical questions. To my right in the newsroom, Ms. Lori Brooks. And what are you working on for this hour? Well, the FBI is weighing in on pet scams. And one in particular. And then there's a couple of other groups, too. Yeah. But when the FBI talks about it, I think it's big. Yeah. Yeah, damn straight it is. We'll find out more about that at the bottom of the hour. And which one, Judy? Line two. Okay. And let's go to Evelyn. Hey, Evelyn, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Very good. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Fayetteville, North Carolina, right outside of Fort Bragg. I, I hear the accent now. Well, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> I, <laughs> If you listen for a while, you know I'm just um, I'm one of those guys. I've, my heart flutters every time I hear a southern accent. So, yes, sir. With that being said, I have Dr. Debbie and Joey Volani here for you. What's going on? Yes, well, we have a um, cat that adopted us about three years ago, and he was um, three pounds when we found him. And this is our first um, warm-blooded animal in the house. And we um, would, didn't groom him whenever he was a kitten. And we also work, so he's home by himself all day, and so he doesn't like to be held that much. And I find now that he's shedding more, and we want to try to groom him. And when I try to, I have uh, three or four different types of brushes. Um, one is like a glove, and one is a silicone, and I have like a ferminator, et cetera. And when I try to brush him, I can brush him a little bit, then he'll turn around and start biting at me or either swatting mm-hmm. at me. And then we take him to the vet to have his um, physical and we also get them groomed at the same time. They have to put them to sleep. 
and I just oh, hate I to have to keep okay. taking them to the vet to be put to sleep. And I tried to clip his claws myself, and um, I was doing okay with it, like whenever he's waking up from a nap, and then I cut too close to the quick one time, and so now I'm afraid to clip his claws. Oh, and uh, it's a struggle to get him in his carrier to take him to the vet, and I just didn't know if you have some recommendations on how we can try to introduce grooming to him, and he's like 15 pounds now. Oh, gosh. He's a big boy. So in, wow. so you said he doesn't like to be held in general? He, no, we he, can pick him up for a short time, maybe like two or three minutes, and then he's ready to get down. Okay. So part of at least at least the behavior side of this, um, I, I'm sure Joey can interject more on the grooming part, but the behavior side of this is I, I, I would want to manage your expectations of what we can accomplish for your kitty. Because there are some cats that are really snugly, cuddly kitties, and then those yeah. some that are not. Then there's the cats that have kind of more of a feral background. And all of those different cats have totally different expectations of how we're going to be able to interact with them. Not to say you can't get close and eventually get a cat that's feral or that's not accustomed to a lot of handling to tolerate it, but to ask this kitty to then say, sit still for a five-minute brush session, that may be too much. (laughs) So we have to kind of pick our battles. If, if If the interest is that you want to just be able to brush your kitty a little bit, that's something we can work to by using positive reinforcement. Um, anytime you do anything like that is, you know, giving some really good canned food, some tuna fish, you know, some great reward and doing short exposures to grooming, preferably, I might even use like a one of those little glove, the groom mitts, something that's not too stressful for her and stop before you get her t- him telling you to stop. That's very important. Okay. If you push it to the point where he's unsatisfied and he's starting to get anxious, you've gone too far. So that okay. is kind of the first thing is you watch the eye move or the ear movements, the tail flicking, and really the general body posture. And if he's seeming upset, you stop and you call that okay. a training session. You call it good and you just stop there. Um, but there are kitties that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, it doesn't have to be that they come from a feral background, that they just don't dig being groomed at home and they don't like going to see a groomer. And for those kitties, sometimes, yeah, we do have to use um, general anesthesia or some kind of sed- sedative for them. Um, and, you know, I don't know your kitty, but there are different levels of sedation and, and there are some things that we can use in a medicine form to help kind of take the edge off of a nervous cat and... Um, mm-hmm. There's one medicine called gabapentin that I will often use um, in a liquid formula for kitties or even a a capsule and uh, use that as a kind of a a sedation so that it can facilitate us to handle them in the clinic. And that works very nicely for some cats. It does require you get the medicine in them. um, So that can sometimes be a little bit of a trick, um, either hiding it in something or getting in a liquid form you can put in the food. Uh, But that can sometimes help to maybe, you know, facilitate some of this grooming at home on a low level Mm -hmm. so that we tolerate it or to take the edge off going into, you know, the grooming parlor or the veterinary office. But there are those cats that, honestly, we have to just completely knock out under general anesthesia because they are so spooked, so they just will not tolerate that level of, you know, either if they... Did the kitty have to be shaved? Is that part of it, or is it just more bathing and... No, just the, you know, the... um my, I guess, like, what is it called, the modesty? You know, where they clean the 
private areas and then the calls okay. and just um, do like a real good brushing. It's a shorthead cat, I'm assuming, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. So, um, again, one thing that I'm going to say is when you have a cat that doesn't want to be groomed, sometimes you're playing with fire um, if you're not a professional. Um, I've been grooming over 40 years, and, and I'm very leery about cats that um, want to bare their claws and teeth at times, even with the best professionals holding them. It's usually a two-person job at that point, and the problem that I see when you're doing it at home is sometimes it could be a little bit more scary um, when people don't know what they're doing by holding them, scruffing them, or holding their back legs. So it's something that if you can have a professional groomer do it, I would say so. If not, you know, Dr. Deb um, really um, probably is the best tool that I would say for a short-haired cat, and that is a grooming glove. Okay, for a couple of reasons. It's not so evasive. If you can get away with the petting motion for a little bit, if you have to do it in sections and do a little bit mm-hmm. each day, do that until you get to the point where the shedding is controllable. Now, I would add something, and I would add a powder, um, and I would just use cornstarch, okay, for a couple of reasons. Okay. Sprinkle it on the cat. It's going to absorb the dirt and oil, and it's going to help de-shed a little easier. Now, you don't have to put a lot on. You could put it right, up, right to the glove itself and use that in a petting motion. So it's going to help de-shed, and it's also going to help clean. So if cleaning is a problem, um, as far as doing the sanitary around the cat's private areas and all, leave that to a professional um, because that could be a little bit dangerous, especially on a um, on a pet that wants to go after you. But I think if you got away with a couple of minutes every day for a while, and mm-hmm. like Dr. Deb said, you know, positive reinforcements, maybe treats, tuna fish, something like that, I think after a while you will... Um, get through it. Now, cats aren't like dogs. Um, you know, sometimes they're in good mood, sometimes they're not. So yes. work with the mood of the cat, and um, I think you'll eventually get through it. Okay. So you said just put some, I do have one of those gloves, and just put some cornstarch on it and just kind of just gradually pet him just as work. I'm brushing. Yep. As if you're petting him. Okay. That's great, because I just felt like he needed to be brushed. I mean, I said this is our first um, pet in the house, and I just felt like he just needed to be brushed. <laughs> Because he will let us pet him a little bit, but not a, you know, not for too long. Now, one thing I will say, the other tools that you have, the Furminator, they're great tools. They're just a little bit more evasive. So okay. the glove isn't, and you can graduate up to different things, but get through the behavioral part first. Okay, it sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening today, Evelyn, listening in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And she got twice the advice for half the price. Zero. Which is zero. Zero. Free. <laughs> wow. It was free. We're too cheap, Joey, I think. Really? You know, like double mint gum, double the pleasure. You notice everything tastes better in the Red Barn Studios? Yeah, that's because Animal Radio is brought to you by Red Barn. Your dog's favorite treat company is now in the kibble business with the first five ingredients featuring real animal protein. This meal is sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. Your dog loves meat, and Red Barn loves your dog. Visit RedBarn.com and use the promo code ANIMALRADIO for 10% off your purchase. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. get a quick quick sweep uh hi this is ben vereen on animal radio remember to spay and neuter oh, sure. your animals okay go ahead when hey, you... what what remember to spay and neuter your animals and who 
Animal Radio. Hi, Ben Vereen. Yeah. It's yeah. Ben. <laughs> I can't get that last word. Spay what with your animals? Spay and neuter. Or spay or neuter. Spay, spay and neuter. Yeah, spay or neuter. Actually, uh, spay is for females and neuter is for males, so you'll say... That's sp- right. That's right. I, I couldn't understand. It sounded like something else. Okay, this is Ben Vereen. Okay. Uh, on, uh, this is Ben Vereen on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your animal for a healthier and longer life. You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic, and maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? PetJoy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk-free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy PetJoy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call PetJoy right now. 800 451 1359. are uh, quite the dancer i know i've said this before that is one of my favorite songs i just i can't sit still when that song comes on well you know what it's the universal language music that is is it well that's what i've read i've been told that (laughs) and uh, it may be even more universal than we think really yes it may be that our animals have that musical instinct as well we've seen uh videos or you've shown me videos of birds bopping their head yeah, and they, they do it in beat to the music and time to the music. It's like they get it. So maybe they understand music and what yeah. it's all about. We're going to be talking to Dr. Let me make sure I pronounce his name right. It's it's phonetic. Thank you for phonetically putting it out here because it <laughs> it's a tough one. Dr. Hank Yen Honing. And he's a researcher and he observes the way animals respond to music. How cool is that? Okay, that's on the way. Uh, let's uh, go to the phones. Welcome to the show, John. How are you? Good. I have Dr. Debbie right here. What's going on with your animal? Oh, I have a, a female uh, border collie, and I also have one of her sons because uh, they're cow dogs, and we work cows with them. Anyway, um, we were gone for a few days and didn't realize that she had come in heat, and um, sure enough, um, the day we got home, we noticed that um, her son had bred her that day. Oh, okay. So we're wondering Oops. what we could do about that if there's a morning after pill or something for for a dog or yeah well you know the best thing that i could suggest is to have this baby spayed Um, that's the honest truth here you know she's at an age already at six where um you know if she's not spayed we do have to be watchful for some other health problems that are coming on um pyometra which is a uterine infection Plus all the different cancers in the reproductive tract. So um, I don't see a reason that I would endorse allowing a pregnancy to go forward at this point. But in response to your question, is there a a mismating pill you can give? Um, There's really not a pill that we give to dogs to terminate pregnancy. 
um, it's kind of, for me, I have to say, it's something I, I, I don't do a lot of reproductive work because I don't uh, particularly enjoy it. I think we have enough doggies on this earth that we don't need to really be reproducing them for them. But there are some different mismating techniques that can be done. Generally, in the U.S., um, they're limited to treatment 30 days after they've already become pregnant. So you've already got a pretty full, almost full-term pregnancy there. So for me, I find that a little distasteful to have to terminate pregnancies at that point. Um, so those are different types of injection techniques that are done. In, in other countries, they do have some um, injections that can be done early into the pregnancy, just, you know, almost immediately after breeding. But it's really not very widespread in the U.S. Um, you could always check around and see if your area, if you have any kind of reproductive specialists that have this available. Um, right. Now, what would the puppies be like and, you know, what kind of concerns do you have? Um, when we breed two closely related dogs, whether they're brother and sister, father and daughter, you run the risk of uh, concentrating genes. So normally this is done with any breeding uh, operation. They'll take a good dog and a good dog, and they hope to have more good genes. So if we've got any kind of recessive genes, any bad genes in there, you're going to have a more likely expression of those genes. Um, and in collies, there's certainly, a, you know, every breed's got them, but there's certainly some that we'd be worried about that that could concentrate. Collie eye anomaly is one of them. There's a neutrophil problem. There's some neurologic problems, some recessive-type diseases that can occur. So there is some potential, but I say in the wide vast number of closely related dogs that breed, we don't always see a bunch of uh, abnormal puppies. Um, but you do definitely run that risk of having some of those certain diseases expressed more likely. So right. I don't know if the, the parents have any kind of health problems or anything that in any no, related... No, uh, health problems. And, uh, you know, we use this dog. She's, she's out of a national champion stock dog, and we, we usually breed her, you know, along those bloodlines, not, not the same bloodlines, but you know, to champion stock dogs, and then we train the pups and sell them to ranchers. So mm-hmm. it's not like just a normal dog, you know. Mm, okay. All right. That's the reason why I don't want to spare because, you know, we sell the puppies for a lot of money. Oh, gosh. You're yeah. breaking my heart here, man. Oh, at six years, has she put her years in? Has her uterus done? Uh, I, you know, th- this is my opinion here, and I have to say that, you know, uh, it's just maybe a time you need to really consider, you know, um, has she done her service for you, both on the on the ranch and uh, in the reproduction category here? I'm sympathetic with what kind of, uh, you know, life she lives and what she's doing, but gosh, I just got to say, you know, uh, I'd either let this litter have its way, and then maybe they just become quality pets. Um, but like I said, if you're really looking to terminate pregnancy, you're looking at doing that maybe about a month down the road. Okay. So, yeah. I don't hope that's I not the that. case. It's just too valuable to me to risk anything happen to her. Now, yeah. last batch she had, she had a C-section. Is that um, advised to do that again, or? Yeah, you know, there's some controversy whether or not if a pet has a C-section that they're going to always need a C-section. And, and I don't see that that's always the case. There are some breeds, um, usually the bulldogs, the big-headed breeds, where I'd say that tends to be a little bit more the case. But it doesn't mean she's absolutely going to require that. So, okay. um, so so hopefully that won't be the case and things will go along naturally. And who knows? Maybe it uh, maybe it doesn't take. <laughs> maybe yeah, you won't maybe have that not. pregnancy. That would be great. Last time I bred her... I bred her to a son of a of a ten time world champion stock dog, and she didn't settle to that one. So that was mm-hmm. kind of a bummer. We were looking forward to that one. 
but oh well. Yeah. Give your little girl a scratch on her head for me. She's a hardworking dog, and I wish her the best. Okay, thank, thank you Thank you so much. much for your call there, John. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, everybody. This is Lori Morgan reminding you to please spay or neuter your pets. You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic, and maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? PetJoy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right totally risk-free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy PetJoy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call PetJoy right now. 800-451-1359. 800-451-1359. 800-451-1359. That's 800-451-1359. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. The FBI has issued a warning on pet adoption scams. Now, we've heard about these scams from others, but I think it's pretty big when the FBI decides to weigh in on this. They're hoping to prevent you from being duped like so many others, and their warning says that fraudsters are prowling the Internet to find families who are so desperate for the perfect dog that they're willing to adopt sight unseen. Now, the scam usually goes like this. Somebody comes across a pet for adoption, uh, an ad, they see it online, and then they unwittingly engage with the scammer, and they proceed to pay the scammer a series of fees that just never seem to end. However, the pet never arrives. Fraud.org got in on this too, and they say regardless of how much money is sent, the phony seller will find brand new reasons every time to ask for more fees and payments. This continues until the victim, now often out of thousands of dollars by this time, finally catches on and says, I'm, I'm not sending any more money. According to fraud.org, sites such as Craigslist and Oodle are often the starting point for these pet scams. But the International Pet and Animal Transportation Association, they see a lot of this too, because sometimes those fees that the scammers ask for have to do with transportation for the pet, usually flying. But the association says the scams can also originate in local newspapers, emails, pet travel sites, and the scammers sometimes even pretend to be faith-based organizations. Well, again, there's something new concerning pets happening in California, but this time it's not, uh, it is forward-moving, but it's it's kind of shocking. It's called the California Pet Blood Modernization Act, and this bill is going to allow animal blood banks in the state to utilize a donor blood collection system for dogs and cats, instead of what they're currently using, which is unusually cruel, because currently California is the only state in the nation 
that requires animal blood banks to collect blood from what's called closed colonies. That's a system in which donor animals are confined to cages and facilities, like a shelter, where they are used solely for the purpose of their blood, and sometimes they are kept there for many, many years. Every other state in the country, by the way, uses a volunteer donor system similar to the same system that we use for humans. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Well, they turned off my long-distance card here at Animal Radio, but Judy's long-distance card still works, and we're calling tonight the Netherlands, where it is. Uh, what what time is it there in the Netherlands? It's here, uh, I think it is sort of a quarter past nine. Okay. And this is the voice of Dr. Henkin Honing, and he researches animals and uh, music. He says that all humans possess the trait of musicality and that even animals might. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, I think that's a nice summary of the whole book. <laughs> I have no rhythm whatsoever. <laughs> so I'm wondering, well, how can all humans have musicality? Um, yeah, it's in a way dependent on the definition. But most of my colleagues, we agree that uh, you need at least two things to be musical as a human or an animal. And those two things are uh, that you are sensitive to the beat, that you hear the regularity, that you can dance to the music. It's very difficult to find someone who, who can't pick up the regularity in the music. And the other thing is relative pitch, which is also trivial if I explain it. It's that you can recognize a melody like... Uh, and if I sing it higher or lower or slower or faster, you just recognize it. Oh, it is that particular song. Sure. And uh, Twinkle Twinkle Star, I think it's called in, uh, uh-huh. in North America. <laughs> yeah. uh, we call it different here. Um, well, I say that because I've seen a video of uh, like a bird bopping his head to some music. And yeah. That makes yeah. me think that they, they must share the same musical uh, intuition, I guess, is what you would call. What would you call that? It's, uh, yeah, it's a sensitivity to, 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 to the musical aspects of sounds. That's how you would, could, could call it. And Darwin, Charles Darwin, thought that all animals should be sensitive to melody and to rhythm. But until 2009... No animal was found who could do that. And this bird that you probably are referring to is a, a cockatoo, a white cockatoo. Uh-huh. And his, his name is Snowball. And he was, in, I think he was discovered in 2007. And he's the first animal for which it was shown that he is sensitive to the regularity of the music. If the music goes faster, he dances faster. If the music goes slower, he moves slower. So mm. he really is listening. And uh, that's the first animal for which it, that was shown. It's very difficult to find it in other animals. Dogs, for instance, can't do that. Horses can't do that. So you said that dogs don't obviously bop around to the beat of uh, a song. Do they have any musical taste whatsoever? <laughs> well, they, well, well, they're sensitive to sounds, for sure. Okay. And they're very sensitive to speech, as all pet owners know. And they're, they're a very good memory for particular sounds but but for instance these two components like the regularity of the music uh, there has not been found up till now a dog that can move to the music by itself and will move faster if the music goes faster so 
If there is a pet owner who has a dog that can do that, film him, please. Yes, please. <laughs> and it will be a very important paper. But up till now, uh, we have no evidence that dogs can do this. Uh, what about uh, primates, since they're closest to humans? Do they f- feel music and interpret music the same way we do? Yeah, that's something I hoped for, because I thought uh, that's what I partly described in the book, this, this sort of this, this uh, trip that I made in the last few years, uh, visiting all these labs and doing experiments. You would expect that another primate, uh, especially uh, monkeys, they, they have brains that are very similar to ours. But it turns out, after repeated experiments, that they are not sensitive to the beat, for instance. And they're also not sensitive to uh, what are called relative pitch. So they can't recognize melodies that are transposed a little bit higher or lower as being the same thing. So this is a totally different issue than, you know, what we've talked about before is that, you know, dogs um, can be calmed and soothed by certain types of music, you know, country music or lullabies particularly have been found to decrease kennel stress and their anxiety in, in certain situations. So it's, so music still has an effect on them, but you, what you're saying is that the music is not compelling them to act in a way that we perceive as um, enjoyment of music. Yeah, as far as we know, but, but um, uh, I think uh, one of the mysteries still is like, what do they pay attention to? And uh, it seems that it, just like also with songbirds, they, they might pay com- uh, attention to completely different things of the sounds than that we pay attention to. If we listen to music, we hear melodies and we hear rhythms. Um, and it turns out that some other animals actually hear more like the way we listen to speech. So they listen more for the, the, change, the changing sounds, like the vowels that I'm speaking now. You're, what you're hearing, is, is this, uh, what you're sensitive to now are the, the changes of sound quality all the time. And that, those are the words that you're listening to. And the pitches you are less sensitive to. It's, it's more in the background. It's more like by intonation or whether I'm posing a question or not. And it seems that birds and maybe also monkeys are listening to music more in, as if it was speech. So the, the change of sounds and less so to the pitches and the melodies that we tend to listen to if we listen to music. So that, I think, is the big difference between that listening strategies or listening predispositions between humans and some other species, uh, that we pay attention to melody and rhythm, and they not primarily. Now, there was a study of Ronan the sea lion that was trained to move her head to a beat. Now, yeah. if you changed the beat, would she be able to pick up on that, or she's only trained to that one song? Well... Uh, that's a beautiful study. See, uh, I, I, I uh, met her like I think it was four years ago for the first time. It's a wonderful animal, very, very exciting, and she wants to do these listening experiments. She's very like she wants to join, <laughs> and she listens to different types of rhythms, fast, slow, and she was almost always faster than I was. I was behind the fence watching her doing the experiment that she did a year before that, and that was published in a in a journal. And uh, one song, for instance, by Earth, Wind, and Fire, that she's very, uh, I think it's called Book- Bookie Wonderland. Uh, and they played it relatively fast, and she had the downbeat quicker than I had. And then it, they played it very slow, and then she had it was spot on. And, uh, and very excited about it as well. So it's, it's, I was very, I was really moved to see this animal having so much pleasure in headbanging on, the, on, on this, on this, on this, yeah, for for them, strange music. I, I have to uh, imagine, 
yeah, since then I, I'm really in love with this animal, uh, Ronan. I got a kiss from her as well for my cheek, so I'm I'm sort of, uh, yeah. You're smitten. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lost. The book is called The Evolving Animal Orchestra in Search of What Makes Us Musical. The author joining us, Dr. Hanky and Honing. And uh, I have 10 copies to give away of this book, toll free. Nine copies copies. to give away. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, head on over to Amazon or your favorite bookstore. We'll put links over at animalradio.pet too. It's called The Evolving Animal Orchestra. Doctor, thank you so much for talking with us today. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Animal Radio, baby. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. Hey, everybody. This is Kenny Lee Lewis from the Steve Miller Band. Just want to tell everybody out there on Animal Radio, thanks for loving your pets. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances in Lap City. Red Barn chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, guys, for underwriting Animal Radio. It gives me great pleasure to introduce to you the dog father, Joey Villani, here on Animal Radio. What's going on? Hey, how's life treating you? So, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's okay. As you guys know, you know, a couple of weeks back, my um, my elder, um, Karen, passed away at yeah, 18. I'm sorry so. about that. Well, 18, I mean, I know this doesn't make yeah. it any better, but 18 is a, a long life for Karen Terry. No, it, it, it definitely, definitely is. And um, it's funny because this was the one that was against all odds. Um, they originally said they were going to have to take his front leg with cancer. We ended up saving that. Then he came down with more cancer and, um, um, you know, so on and on and on. But um, lived till 18 and um, died very peacefully and comfortably um, in my home with um, really no signs that he was even going that day. So, um, you know, I mean, honestly, if you had to go, it's probably the best possible way. But that brings up something that I do want to talk about. Because it, it can be an issue, and that's grooming elderly dogs. Um, most of the time, things that happen within a grooming salon happen, um, I'm going to say, more than anything else with dogs that are seniors. So when they get into their twilight um, years, and you know, really depending on the size of the dog is going to determine that, large dog breeds can be anywhere from 8 years and up, and small dogs anywhere from 10 years and up and you know again it all depends you know it's like people sometimes we age a little bit differently but the last thing that you want to happen is go in for a beauty treatment and get a phone call that something um, serious has happened with your pet so it's going to start in the home which is really important so if you have an elderly dog um, and i say this that you should start them out as a puppy um, brushing combing and all that but if you didn't 
it's probably even more important as they get older, preparing them before they go into a salon. Now, a lot of people say, well, then why do I want to bring them into a salon? It's to keep them calm. Now, the first thing I'm going to say is, is you're going to notice that dogs are going to get a little bit more crotchety, a little bit more, and even cats are going to get a little bit more anxious as they get older. As you know, um, I, I've known people to say, my dog never bit me, and all of a sudden I started brushing them, and they bit me, and you know, it just happens, happens. You know, it's like it's like my my dad. The older he gets, the more <laughs> the more difficult he's getting. Anyway, but same thing with your pets. So to be quite honest with you, if you can section off the grooming um, instead of doing the whole body and legs and head in one shot. Pick um, a couple of days during the course of the week and brush out areas, you know, brush out the legs maybe one day, do the body another day, do the head another day, um, the tail another day, and, um, you know, get them not free so when they go to the groomer it's a little bit easier. Now, sometimes the bathing process is a little bit difficult for them. I always say use cornstarch, use a powdered, um, you know, some sort of powder. Cornstarch works good. You can add a couple of drops of lavender oil, essential oil to it. Um, be careful what you do add because sometimes it could um, um, affect their skin. But lavender is really safe. Put a couple of drops in, um, shake it up real good, let it sit on the shelf 24 hours, then sprinkle that in, brush it out, and that will help absorb the dirt and oil so you have a, a dog that's a little bit cleaner. And the same thing with nails. You know, um, Instead of taking off a chunk of nail you know, once every six to eight weeks, you know, cut them regularly, well, at least once a week. Just take off the tips where it's not so traumatic for them. And, again, you'll have a much happier elderly pet that um, it's not going to be as stressful. And kind of when they go to the groomer, they'll be more ready for it than not. You know, I do this thing when I go to the vet. It probably would work for going to the groomer, too. My dog was really afraid of going to the vet. So what I decided to do is just take her down to the vet to visit, no appointments, and they would give her a treat there so that she would start to associate the place with, oh, I, sometimes I go in there and I get a treat. And she became so much calmer. And I, I think that's the same thing you can do with the groomer. Can you just go visit the groomer without actually going in and having an appointment and maybe get a treat and associate well, let's let's put it this way. I don't I don't know how many groomers would actually say no to that. I would welcome that because I'm now talking to a conscientious pet owner that's trying to be proactive, and it makes my life easier. Um, in the grooming salon, it's loud, okay, especially some of these high velocity dryers that you have. You yeah. turn on, and it's loud, and I've noticed that in older dogs that seems to startle them a little bit more. So if you do take them in, get them used to it, walk them around, like you said, make it make it a fun day out. Um, I'm sure that it could do nothing else but help. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Brandon McMillan on Animal Radio, and be sure to adopt and not shop. And now an Animal Radio News Brief. A service dog is highly trained to perform a specific task for its disabled owner. It's kind of different from a therapy dog, which comforts the sick and elderly, or an emotional support animal, which soothes anxiety. For people that want to take their pets wherever they go, there's a brisk business that's developed in the sale of bogus service animal certificates and vests. Tim Livinggood, he runs one of the many websites that sell this certification paraphernalia. For 65 bucks. Customers can get papers, patches, and vests to make their dogs look official. 
They can even buy a prescription letter from a psychiatrist after they take an online quiz. He said the laws are broad enough to allow that. While his business, the National Service Animal Registry, sounds official, he says government-sanctioned registration agencies don't exist. Property managers or airlines are not allowed to ask owners to produce ID cards. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at animalradio.pet. Hello, this is Franz from Hans and Franz. Don't be a girly man. Get your dog spayed and neutered. That's right. And just because you spay and neuter your dog, it does not make them a girly dog. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Uh, You don't have to go very far to find a service dog these days. Sometimes an emotional service dog, that means they just uh, help you out, make you feel better, and they actually don't need to be certified for that. And then there's the certified service dogs that may help you uh, determine if you're going to have an epileptic seizure or maybe if you have autism that helps you get around. And it just warms the cockles of my heart to see how these animals are helping people maneuver their ways through their disabilities. Now, there's a story about a three-year-old girl. She has uh, neuroendocrine cell hyperplasia, and that means that she her lungs don't work properly. She needs to take an oxygen tank wherever she goes. And her parents decided to get her a service dog to help her kind of maneuver around with the oxygen tank. Seems like a good idea, doesn't it? Sure. Not so much. Apparently, there's... Many people, and you may agree right now, all of you in the studio, you're looking at me, (laughs) you may agree that sometimes a person may be too young to handle a service dog, like in this case of a three-year-old girl. Yeah, I think that's a little young. Think it is? Yes, I do. Personally, I do. Dr. Ilana Reisner, she's a veterinary behaviorist. She'll be on this hour and she'll tell us that, yeah, you're right. That's way too young to have a service dog. I want to find out all about it. I think, you know, it's amazing what animals can do. It's sad to think that there's some kids that can't have animals. So I want to find out because when I was a kid, I had a service cat. He didn't know he was a service cat. He was my emotional friend. Yeah, but you weren't three. No, I wasn't three. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Which one are we going to? In just a couple of seconds, we're going to go to line three, according to Judy. Uh, First, we're going to find out what's coming up in the news in just a few minutes. What are you working on, Lori? Well, still dealing with the after effects of that big pet food recall, and we'll tell you about that very shortly. And a family that's in the news because of their therapy animal or therapy pet, alpacas. Alpacas. Service alpacas. Alpaca, yes, alpacas. And they're indoor-outdoor alpacas, by the way. Not so in my house. sleep with them just like you did with your cat. No alpacas in your living room, huh? No. Okay. Let's uh, let's go to the phones. <laughs> I, yeah. I know Kevin's waiting for. Hey, Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you for taking my call. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Los Angeles. You guys are having way too much fun out there. Yeah, we we are. <laughs> so what uh, what do you got going on? I understand you want to talk to Dr. Debbie. Yeah, I had a quick question. I was listening to your program being broadcast early this morning in Los Angeles, 
And there's a lady that spoke about a German shepherd and how he was distempered in his rear hind legs and he had some spinal condition. I also, too, own a German shepherd. He's a vibrant fellow. He's three years old. His name is King. And uh, I know that in the future, I'm going to have to anticipate some type of I didn't hear I didn't hear you anticipate what the German Shepherd experienced some, some problems with his hind legs because they're known for having problems yeah. with their hind legs mm-hmm. okay and so my question was is knowing that that's going to come in the future is there some form of insurance that you can purchase for your dog for medical situations because having to take them to the vet gets very expensive and just to have mm-hmm. to outright pay that kind of cash it's very expensive, and I want to give the best care to my animal that I can. I just always, I can't afford it because they're so expensive at the veterinarian now. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? It's great that you're thinking ahead because you know a lot of people don't anticipate those big bills when they come up. And, you know, there's a lot of great advances we have in veterinary medicine, but they come at a cost. And, um, right. you know, a lot, of, a lot of these things can be price prohibitive um, if you're not ready for them. So right. with, with any breed of dog, my recommendation is I do recommend pet insurance, and I prefer to get a, a dog or a cat into that when they're young. Preferably as a puppy or a kitten, because number one, your rates are going to be the lowest then. And also you haven't set any kind of patterns of pre-existing conditions. Um, because once your dog say has a problem with allergies or ear infections, that's already documented in the medical record. And those may not be covered if you sign up for insurance later. So the best advice is get into insurance early. Um, and then your question about some of these big problems in shepherds like hip dysplasia. Um, you have to be cautious because if you are hoping to have that kind of insurance help you for a specific condition, you really need to check the pet insurance carefully. Um, there are different exclusions for both hereditary conditions and pre-existing conditions. So if, for example, you were to tell me you went to the vet down the street and they told you your dog has hip dysplasia right now, and then you try to get an insurance policy after the fact, it's very possible that a company might not cover it at all. Wow. So some conditions, if they're treatable, they will, even if it's pre-existing and it's been noted before, they may cover it. But it depends on the company. It depends on the condition. Um, so it's something I'd have a hard time telling you, blanket, which one to go with. Mm. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind with some of these different um, pure breed diseases, and, and hip dysplasia is very common in German shepherds, is that that has a, a hereditary base. So it is passed on from generation to generation. So they may have an exclusion based on that uh-huh. as well. So what I recommend, you can do this stuff online. It's it's very easy. You go to the different insurance, uh, pet insurance um, websites, and you can go through and ask for a free quote. And um, it's very easy. You get a little annoying email after the fact, but you can always unsubscribe if you don't want that. <laughs> um, but it's a really good way to kind of price compare. And then once something is looking like it's in your budget, I do suggest to get someone on the horn and ask add those specific questions. Are premiums based, and I know you're not an insurance representative, but you do take several insurances down at your practice. Do they usually charge a higher premium for animals that might be predisposed to sort of, you know, the luxating patella or these? uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do. 
They do. In certain breeds, like, you know, for instance, the English Bulldog, a fabulous breed, but uh, they're a veterinarian's good friend. <laughs> they're oh, really? in all the time. <laughs> so wow. um, as a breed, yes, you're going to find a higher rate. And that's why when you get these quotes that you're putting through, they're going to ask you what breed, what age, and not only that, but where you live in the country. Because how a veterinarian practices in uh, Los Angeles or Las Vegas might be very different than a remote part in Arkansas. So the cost of the veterinary care may be different regionally. So they're going to kind of uh, base that on your region there. And you really, that's where people need to ask questions, find out what it covers and what it doesn't. And and that's really, um, I I hate for people to buy insurance and just do it blindly. You need to know what you're getting. Kevin, thank you for listening to Animal Radio. Please tell a friend. We appreciate it. I will. You guys are doing an excellent job. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself. Calling from Los Angeles today, that is uh, Kevin. Shall we all bow? There you go. I, I bow for each and every listener. I love each and every... I'll give you all of you a big sloppy kiss. No tongues. Hmm? What? I can't do that? I'm sorry. Take it back, Cal. Whoa. Hi, John. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Houston, Texas. John, you're on with Dr. Debbie. All right. I've got a couple of cats, and I was wondering if there was any way I could keep them off the furniture. Um, are they getting on any particular part of the, your furniture that you're unhappy with? Well, they're just getting on the couches and sleeping on there and getting them filled up with hair. Okay. So you're not a fan of having the cats on the couch then, huh? Well, it doesn't bother me. It's the girlfriend that doesn't like it. Okay. Uh, you got to get rid of the girlfriend. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't that be the suggestion, doctor? <laughs> well, you know, everyone's got their different levels of what they, you know, admit or would permit their cats to um, to to do in a home. I had someone who I knew that their cats were urinating in their kitchen uh, um, on their stove, and that mm. was acceptable to them. So, you know, everything's a little different for everyone. Um, for myself, um, I'm not a fan of cats on counters. Um, if you don't want your cats on couches, you know, there's ways to train them for that. Um, but it can be kind of hard. Have they, have they been allowed up on the couches and the furniture up to date? No. Okay, so you've been trying to keep them off of that already then? Yes, we have. Okay, have you used any remedies to try? Uh, we've used the sprays, and uh, we even used the uh, little shock pad, and that didn't work. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, there's for for jumping up on undesired areas for cats. You know, we, we want to do something that's humane, um, but something that kind of gets the general idea across that this is not a place we want the kitties to travel. And um, you mentioned the you know the kind of shock mats or what I call the static mats or the scat mats. So when the kitty you put that on the area when they jump up there, um, it's kind of like a, um, a static electricity type feeling. So um, that's a deterrent. Um, if that doesn't seem to work there are some other things we can try um in some areas um i'll have luck with uh, the double-sided sticky tape but um on couch areas uh might not be as uh well received um there is something that i will try and it takes you doing a little bit shopping on the internet but there's some motion detector um items that actually when the kitties um cross the barrier um there's compressed air emitted um and um i i believe the one that i'm familiar with is uh it's called scat like three s's and then cat 
and um, that's made, um, and it basically has, uh, some have audible tones that go off first, and then others, you know, have just the um, compressed air, but that might be something that, you know, gets the idea across with, um, you know, maybe something you can't patrol real regularly, um, and to keep them away from that. Um, and, of course, a good old standby is if there are certain areas you want physical access completely limited to, um, you know, uh, keeping doors closed, things like that. And, and I know a lot of people with allergies, you know, they love their kitties, but they can't have them in the carpeted areas or in areas where there's upholstery. So, um, you know, hopefully some of those techniques might be helpful for you there, John. I don't know if, uh, if uh, any of those sound like they might work in your situation. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. Give me a call. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hello, this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio. And I'd just like everybody to realize that each day you live, you make some difference on the planet. And you can choose what kind of difference you're going to make. And hopefully every day you'll try to make the world a little bit better for people, for animals, and for the environment. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Okay, yeah, so puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why Ladybug, the Animal Radio Studio stunt dog, uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. It seals away the waste and replaces the dirty pad for us. Brilliant Pad keeps the Animal Radio Studios smelling fresh. In fact, all we have to do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And let me tell you, that's pretty fast and easy to do. I love it, and Ladybug gives it five paws up. You can learn more about this amazing machine over at BrilliantPad.com. Hey, everybody, this is Brett Michaels, and I just want to say you, right now, want to take, wait, give me the line again. My brain skipped. Uh, Brett Michaels. I just had one of my brain hemorrhage brain farts. Oh, Go don't ahead. do that. Say don't that do that. I don't want to be responsible for that. Trust me, it's me. Go okay. ahead. Animal Radio. Brett Michaels Animal Radio. You got it. I knew the Animal Radio. Like, okay, here we go. Hey, this is Brett Michaels. You're listening to Animal Radio and Take Care of Your Pets. They will rock your world. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. This is Animal Radio. We are all just wacky about our pets and pets in general. We're, we, we, we work for free. Not a lot of people know that. We come in here just because we like talking about our animals a lot. Right? No one's agreeing. And we get to bring them. With <laughs> Am I the only one that's working for free? Apparently, <laughs> yeah. about those nicks. Yeah. Uh, but you know, so they they mean a lot to us. They are our family, and for some of us, they're our only family. Forget about the two-legged humans. And if you're like that, that's okay. This is your show. To my left is Judy Francis. She is screening your calls for Dr. Debbie and for Joey Villani, the dog father. The dog father can answer your grooming questions. Dr. Debbie, she's well-versed in all kinds of behavioral and medical questions in regards to animals. Don't ask her about that goiter on your neck. Is that where you have a goiter? Yes, you have a goiter. See, now you're making me diagnose you. (laughs) Goiters are in the thyroid. Area. So, so that's not a goiter. your physician for that, Hal. Yeah, not maybe me. just a little acne or something like that. Anyway, if you'd like to talk to them from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. So download that puppy now. So, uh, hey, Steve, how are you doing? 
Hey, buddy, how is this California? Where? I'm in California, Steve Merrick. Where? I wonder about my doggy. I got a Brenda, Brent dog. What kind of dog? Ben, Ben, they, they, they call Ben dog. A brindle pit bull, okay. Yeah, pit bull. She's beautiful. I got also original pit bull. He looks like a white wolf, 100 pounds. I raised 90, and I gave it 808, and I got him perfectly healthy. But this brandy, the coffee, she was about three months old. Somebody left the streets, died, was nothing but the ribs, dying, and mm. red eyes. But IQ, I got two doctors, one in Sun City, one in Corona. And they, she was coughing, and a chest congestion, and that's cured. She's perfectly all right. Okay. But your eyes are still red. And no one doctor said nothing about eyes. And something coming terrible on her eyes, I cannot cure that. Okay. How long ago was the, the breathing problem? Did, did that get cleared up? It's more than three months, six months at least. Okay. Can, so, can you tell me what the problem is, Dr. Debbie? I'm not following. So um, so the pit bull had a respiratory infection, and it was treated, um, and that part is better, but her eyes have, are still remaining to be red. Um, is there a discharge with those eyes? Steve? Any kind of gunk coming out of the eyeballs? Yeah, it does. A lot. A lot. What I use, I use common tea. Some medical okay. friend told me it's also good uh, through the history, common tea is good for stomach problems or anything. Clear the eyes. So yeah, I yeah. wash your eyeballs with a common tea. But okay. that helps a little bit, but it's still right back. It's red, red, red. So it's yeah. something else is a problem. Well, you know, for me, if I have a pet that has, especially continued red eyes, and, and I'm assuming red being the conjunctiva, kind of the kind of the lining of the eye on the top, the bottom, and they even have like a little third eyelid in the corner of that. If those areas are red and persistently red, and especially if we have a discharge of any form on a regular basis, I mean, this is really something we need to treat. And, you know, chamomile tea, you know, it's one of those kind of uh, holistic things we can try. It's an astringent, it's an antioxidant, and while it's not necessarily harming things, it could be very well that we need to treat something more appropriately. If this is an infection, we need to get on a topical eye antibiotic. So pills that you might have had for the respiratory infection aren't necessarily going to happen or help with the eye. Um, we would need to treat that directly more with an eye drop. So for, for me, if I had your doggy right here, I'd be looking in the eyes, um, seeing if there's any kind of um, matter underneath the eyes. Sometimes we can have something as simple as allergies trigger this. Um, other cases, it may be a bacterial infection. And even some dogs, if they spend a lot of time outdoor in the sun, they can get actually solar injury. So the sun can cause irritation. It can cause a discharge. Um, and we see that yeah, more in the, like, the light-colored eyes or the, um, the pigment, unpigmented areas there. So, um, no, it's not yeah, possible. It, she lives in the house. They have pet dogs in the house. They've got the dog gate. They go from the uh -huh. bedroom to the patio and go control the yard. She's a good killer. She kills everything around. She mm -hmm. kills a Siamese cat. Oh, dear. No, keep that kid inside. Definitely we don't want her killing any cats. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, Steve, well, I think that's yes, going to be the... Because the cats want to kill the birds and the chicken, so she's controlling that. That's okay. Well. That's what they, they're for. They're controlling the people, too. I got a yeah, well. body of a pit bull, 100 pounds. 
Nobody oh, gosh. can get by that one. But I yeah. love the pets. I'm not uh, keeping pets to heal people, but I don't want them also to be sick and dying. And yeah, no, definitely. And it sounds like you've taken good care. It sounds like you've taken good care of her, Steve, when it comes to her respiratory infection. I do think it just means you, you need to get that kid back to the vet. So if you've just called them and said, hey, she's got an eye discharge, it really means a lot for a vet to see something. So if I can appreciate your dog right in front of me right now, um, you know, we could have a totally different conversation. We might go in a different direction. Um, but I do think this is time that, you know, if you've tried some remedies, some home uh, tricks, and it's not getting better, we really need to get her um, evaluated. Give her a good pat on the head for me. Thanks for your call today. In fact, uh, can we get the jingle singers out? Go to your vet. There you go. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This is Greg Biffle on Animal Radio. And remember to spade and neuter your pets. All of us here at Fido Friendly Magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite Fido. We know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side. Start daydreaming now and visit FidoFriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's FidoFriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and leave no dog behind. Hi, this is Carrie Annie Nava from Dance with the Stars. Don't forget to stay new to your animals, and you're listening to Animal Radio. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Emotional support animals are in the news in Ohio, but not dogs this time. In Ohio, there's a family that is facing a deadline to find new homes for their alpacas, which they consider to be therapy pets. A neighbor claims that uh, the alpacas are a nuisance to the entire neighborhood because it has turned his neighbor's backyard into a smelly pasture. But the alpaca owner says they've been cooperative with the city and have already rehomed two of the other alpacas they had. And now they clean up daily after the two remaining alpacas. These alpacas, by the way, they are not outside all of the time. They are indoor-outdoor alpacas. The owner claims alpacas are quieter than dogs and their poop smells less. So I'm just kind of confused. They just want to keep the pet and the animals, and they're calling them emotional support so that they can keep them in a zoning area that they're not permitted, right? Well, one of, of the two that remains at the property is licensed, but again, it goes to who did the training and what were the requirements for yeah. it to be a therapy pet. There were a couple of other points in there, too. The father said that when his significant other, I think it was a girlfriend, and her 12-year-old son, who he claims that these alpacas are needed for as, as therapy animals, he says when they go outside and feed and pet the alpacas, that they come inside different people, that they're calmer and happier. And I just thought, aren't, aren't we all after our dogs? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Who's to judge an, yeah. an emotional service animal? I mean, my animal makes Th- me very That's true. Yeah. yeah. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com.
Alan Cable, time for another dog tip. But first, I have to call the vet and make an appointment for my shots. Of course, I pretend it's for a dog. Animal hospital. There's an annual shot that I'm supposed to get, right? There is. Can I make an appointment? Yeah. Look how good I am at irritating others. <laughs> I have a 945. Perfect, and I'll put my muzzle on myself. Thank you. We had a call about dogs marking in the house. The woman who called's dog wasn't neutered. Unless you plan on breeding your dog, neutering's a good idea because it can prevent the habit from starting. Marking is a way for dogs to communicate lots of stuff like territoriality. They'll mark stuff on the outside of the house like fences and trees to scare off other dogs. It lets other dogs know that your dog's ready and willing to protect his space. Dogs will mark the inside of the house for lots of reasons, including claiming ownership of whatever they're doing it on. Some dogs mark your bed, some don't. Some mark it first, some mark it last. Depends on your dog's personality and how insecure he is. Insecure dogs may go on anything new. Visitors, shopping bags you bring in the house, new furniture. Because these dogs lack confidence, it makes them feel more secure putting their own scent on new things. Sometimes female dogs mark when they're in heat. It's important for you to remember when your dog marks that he's not trying to be mean or spiteful. They're not jealous or trying to get back at you for something. Now, there might be a medical problem, so a good idea is to always take your dog to the vet first. Then you know if there's nothing physical wrong, it's a behavioral problem. So what do you do about it? Well, you've got to put yourself in a leadership role, in a positive, non-threatening way. Building your dog's confidence by setting him up for success. The first thing is to take him on walks every day consistently. On a leash, never let him be in front. He's always at your side. You exit the house first, you enter the house first. Get a crate and have your dog sleep in it. Letting a dog sleep with you in bed can give him the perception that he's in charge of all the people in the house. So keep him off your bed. And it's not a bad idea to keep him off furniture either. Make sure if you let him roam around, you're there to give him constant supervision so you can make a quick correction if he tries to mark. And don't forget to clean all the spots with something that'll erase the scent or he'll be tempted to go back there. Don't forget to praise good behavior too. Get more tips at AnimalRadio.com. Holy education! Hi, this is Burt Ward, Robin from the TV series Batman. You've got to keep listening to Animal Radio. Wowie zowie. They've got the best information. It's so entertaining. To the Batmobile citizens! Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. If you're like Judy, you probably spend many hours over social media and watching TV all about stories about cats, dogs, and how wonderful they are in their life. You'll watch, uh, I'm sorry, does, does you need to get that? It's my bat phone. <laughs> Is everything okay? Do you need to answer that? We, we can stop. I mean, there's no... No, no, no problem. It, it's just my Uber Eats. They're just telling me they're here. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're... A... Working too hard to go out and get your own food. Okay, well, hold on a second before they deliver the food in here. As I was saying, there, there's uh, there's stories that are on online, and um, today we saw this. Uh, was it on today? The NBC Today Show. Yeah, we saw a story about a three-year-old girl. She was born with, uh, I think they call it neuroendocrine cell hyperplasia, and it's a lung disease, and she has to have an oxygen tank everywhere she goes all uh-huh. the time. And she has a service dog that uh, they her parents got her the service dog to help her navigate around with the uh, wow. the oxygen tank. And I think that's a pretty unique way that certain dogs can help us. Mm-hmm. There's many, many stories like this. The use of service dogs for young children is pretty much increasing in popularity. 
the dogs are being assigned to kids with uh, autism and uh, other special needs. Yeah, younger and younger kids are getting service dogs. Yet this may not be the best thing for them. And that's according to Dr. Alana Reisner, who's joining us. Hi, doctor. How are you doing? Hello. I'm doing fine, thanks. So these uh, service dogs that are we're using for younger children, you seem to have a problem with that. Well, as as with many things, I think that the idea is good. I think that the um, intention is wonderful, but there are some problems that it can be fraught with um, because we're dealing with a living animal and we're dealing with a, a young child. And so I do become concerned about risks of bites to children and stress to animals and um, it's a particular interest of mine in any case uh, to look at dog bite safety. Sure, absolutely. Is this something that, I mean, are there a lot of dog bites with service dogs and young children? I know how trying a child can be and I know that dogs are very, very patient but and cats too, but if you push them over the line, they may attack. Well, to answer your, your question, is it common to see bites by service dogs um, that's really an unknown. I don't think it's terribly common because I don't think it's common that we have service dogs for children. Um, and service dogs in general, dogs who work, uh, they're in theory uh, should be pretty well socialized and tolerant of all kinds of people and other stimuli around them. But we're talking about something very specific here, which is to pair a dog with a, a young child, a preschooler, or or a young school child, um, and in in cases like that, there really is nothing magical about having been certified as a service dog. They're still dogs, and they're able to feel fear, for example, if they're trapped or if they're manipulated in some ways that they find threatening. So uh, the the child deserves to have assistance, it's true, but ultimately the parents have to be responsible for everything that child does. In that case, the child was three years old. I, I think that is, I, I, I would think that the three-year-olds would be very few and very far between that could handle and judge the sensitivities of an animal. Accurately. I agree, and I, I would take it a little bit further and be just a little bit more bold and say that at three years old, they're really not capable of doing that. Um, even adults aren't capable of doing that, unfortunately, much of the time. Um, and on that particular segment of this lovely little girl with her service dog, um, I had written a blog post because I noticed some stress signs in the dog. Um, some attempts for the, the dog tried to walk away at one point and look away. And the dog yawned, which is a, a pretty well-established sign of stress. Um, and so a little bit of stress isn't going to hurt a dog or a child or you or me terribly. The problem is that uh, it might be an indication that the dog might bite one day. Well, and it's probably repeated stress as well. It's not just going to happen just one second. It's going to be throughout the day with a young child. Well, that's a good point. Uh, whether it's a surprise or whether it's repeated, there are reasons for the risk to be growing. That's right. Is there a certain age that you would say no service dogs for our, our children under a certain age? That's that's always a hard call. That's um, their children are vary from each other, um, and some are more mature. Uh, let's say at the age of uh, eight to ten, than others might be. I think that we'd be looking more realistically at uh, 8 to 12, something like that, 
for a certain, of course, it depends what the dog is a service dog for. So if the child has some social impairment, for example, um, and I'm, I'm really being vague um, and general here, then it might be even more of a challenge to expect them to navigate the dog's moods um, so that they're safe as well. I mean, really, we're looking at safety and welfare of both the child and the dog. Fair enough. Okay, we got to take a quick break. Dr. Reisner, can you hold on just for a second? We'll be right back. Check out Animal Radio Highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Hello, this is Dr. Paul on Animal Radio. Take care of the pets and make sure that in these hot days that they get in lots of water and don't tie them outside in the sun because then they get a heat stroke. You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic. And maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? PetJoy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk-free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy PetJoy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call Pet Joy right now. 800-451-1359. 800-451-1359. That's 800-451-1359. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Thanks, big guy. We are with Dr. Alana Reisner. She is a veterinary behaviorist, and while she understands how how great animals can be in assisting people, therapy animals or assistant service animals, she also says that kids that are too young shouldn't have a service animal, right? My general suggestion would be to re-examine it carefully and look to see if the child might find assistance and help uh, through other means. So with um, a, a teaching assistant, for example, in schools or with the parents or certain kinds of supervision and care. Uh, but assigning an animal one-on-one to a child, for example, tying a dog to the waist of an autistic child by a leash um, is unsafe, unfortunately. Do, do people actually do that? There have been, I've seen photographs or I've seen one particular story which was well circulated for a while of a, a child that was on the spectrum and had a dog leash attached to her waist so that when she walked around, the dog would follow. Well, that, that to me seems crazy. That's, yeah. that's asking for trouble. Yeah, I mean, there's a good chance the child will be knocked down or, sure, it's not a a brilliant idea. I I agree with you. I would discourage it. Okay, all very interesting and kind of a different take. I would imagine there are people that are taking you head on. No, no, uh, actually, believe it or not, I hear plenty of controversial replies, but uh, not about this particular topic. I think at this point it's still relatively new. Um, and people aren't coming back about it. But the, the, the idea of service dogs is a little bit, you know, the, the use of service dogs is also a little bit controversial in general because of the types of training that they claim that uh, 
the dealers claim to have given them. I, I'm sure you've heard recently about the service dog organization that um, sold a dog that turned out to be aggressive, and um, you know there was some controversy with what the training involves. So I think it's it's such a broad topic. I think it depends so much on the dog's background, um, and also on the the person with special needs who is um, taking responsibility for the dog's care. Okay, all very interesting. The, the website, your website is reisnervetbehavior.com. Right, that's the website. Um, I have a pretty active uh, Facebook page where I blog quite a bit about dog behavior as well. And that's also Reisner Vet Behavior. And we'll put links to those over at animalradio.pet. Dr. Ilana Reisner, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Hi, Pat. How are you doing? Hi, good, thank you. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Tennessee. You are on with Dr. Debbie. Um, I heard a caller call in on your show a while ago and mention that they had a dog who had cracked his teeth because they were chewing on some bones. Uh-huh. And we give, we've got a miniature schnauzer who's got very powerful teeth, and uh, we give her those Nyla bones. They're the really hard plastic ones. And she okay. goes through those like every couple of weeks. we got to replace them. And I was wondering if those are good for her, if we should be using something else. Well, in general, I think those are really good substitutes when we're talking about the alternatives from, you know, true bones to finding something that's going to be an acceptable alternative. Um, and I think the Nyla bone products are really um, pretty durable. But if you're doing what it sounds like you're doing when they start to show some signs of pieces being chewed or kind of getting broken down, that you toss it and you replace it. Um, because you can even still run the risk that, um, you know, a piece of that bone could get chewed up and swallowed and cause an obstruction. So if they're starting to really get um, some significant damage on that item, no matter how good it is, <laughs> it's best to replace that. Um, and, okay. and you could still feasibly maybe have a situation where um, a dog could crack a tooth on something like a Nyla bone. But um, if they hold up fairly well um, through regular use, then you'll have less of a problem with that than, say, a, a meat bone or a steak bone. Okay. Yeah, and then, you know, there are, you're welcome, and there are some different types of the Nyla bones and the Nyla products, Um, a lot of those types of things, like the Kong toys, um, I'm a real fan of those, if if your schnauzer is really um, an avid chewer, I think those kind of products hold up very well, Um, the main thing is we want to avoid toys or chew items that have little corners um, that have soft parts that can be broken off easily and then with some of the edible type bones you know we watch to make sure that you know they may be edible um, but we we have to watch out because some of those corn based corn starch based bones or um, potato bones carrot bones all of those things can g- cause just as much a concern for what about rawhide yeah and you know I, I like rawhides but I like them in the right uh, use um, I'm not a real fan on those little flip chip kind of things um, or the knotted rawhides, but I do like there's a type of rawhide that's a compressed rawhide. And if you have a dog that is an avid chewer and needs to have something to gnaw on and maybe he's not a fan of some of these things like the Kongs or the Nyla bones, compressed rawhide is the next best thing that I like to use. Um, my labs, um, it could take them hours to get through one versus, you know, regular rawhide would be, you know, 20 minutes or less in their <laughs> big, strong jaws. So, yeah, I think that that's a good alternative as well. It has passed by so fast once again. Thank you for playing with us today. Hopefully you can do it next week again. Go ask your mom if you can come out and play with us again next week. Oh, if you need your fix during the week, she says no. 
<laughs> if you need your fix during the week, head on over to animalradio.pet. And, of course, download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. If you happen to have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Mini Schnauzer, a Shih Tzu, or a Pug, check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. They are Kindle Reads, and we have links over at animalradio.pet, as well as links to everything you've heard on today's show. Have yourself a great week. I've got the beat. I've got the beat. I've got the beat. Catch you next week. <laughs> See y'all. I'm not, I'm not singing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's just contrary to what the good doctor said, we don't all have musicality. <laughs> <laughs> This is Animal Radio Network. Network.